Welcome to the Well and Witchy Podcast. I'm your host, Britt Epley, and I'm an eclectic witch, wellness and mindset coach, healer, and spiritual mentor. If you're looking to fearlessly rise up and be the woman you were destined to be and live your best life with both wellness and spiritual flows, then you are in the right place. Think of this podcast as your go-to for all things magic, inspiration, and empowerment. I'll be spilling the tea about witchcraft, spell work, spirituality, intuitive wellness, self-love, and much more. Leave it to me to help provide you with the tools and resources to unlock the inner goddess and power within you, hone your sacred craft, and live life in a more meaningful and magical way. I am so grateful that our paths have crossed today and you are here. Thank you so much for pushing play. Now let's do this, witches. beautiful souls and welcome back to the Well and Witchy podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with me today and in fact we are not alone. I have my first ever guest on the Well and Witchy podcast and I'm so excited for you to meet her and to listen to this episode today. To give you a little backstory before we jump into this episode, a few months ago I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw a Facebook event for a group ritual and weekend event called Shadow Moot. Now, I've mentioned in the past episodes that I'm a solitary witch. I've never had the opportunity to participate in a group ritual. And this is something I've always wanted to do, but never really had the time or the event wasn't right. And I knew that I needed to attend this event. But I did have my worries. We are still mid-pandemic. And I knew that there was a possibility that someone could be sick or someone could be having it. Luckily, no one has tested positive from this event. We were all safe and everyone was mindful about social distance and it turned out great. But I just wanted to say that before, you know, we talk about, hey, I had this really cool event because I understand we are still in a pandemic, but I just really felt the need to be with people like me. After working from home since March, I've only seen my parents Thomas, my two cats, and one of my best friends here in Nashville. So I was hungry, hungry for community. So I'm really grateful that I went to this event and it was amazing. Shadow Moot is hosted by a group called Raven Moon Hearth. They are a group of motivated Germanic heathens in Middle Tennessee, and they are a non-racist and non-political tribe of doers. Raven Moon Hearth prides themselves on their no-nonsense approach to heathenry. They don't mind getting their hands dirty, and they love being outdoors. They honor the gods, their ancestors, and all the spirits of the northern tradition. In this event, we honored our dead through a hellblot ritual. We celebrated our ancestors. There were workshops and some speakers who talked about some of the Norse pagan gods and goddesses. There was food, there was community, there was contests and games, and there was raffles. It was a whole to-do, and it was technically an overnight event. So Thomas and I, my boyfriend, we didn't have the tents and the supplies to sleep over and, and camp out at this event, but we did go for the full day Saturday, and we left having so many new friends and connections, so many brothers and sisters who really understand the Norse pagan way, and we're truly grateful for that. During this event, I had the honor of meeting Samantha Maori, who is the acting vulva for Raven Moon Hearth. A vulva is another word for a witch, 
but among the Vikings in the Old Norse, vulvas were considered seers, shamans, lightworkers, energy healers, and practitioners of cedar magic. Vulvas are also known to be prophecy women and magic women. And during the group ritual, which is the Hellblot, we honored our dead and really dug deep into some grief that so many of us have experienced. And for me, it was grief that I had been keeping in my heart and not letting go of for quite some time. And Samantha's energy and her healing and the role she served during this ritual was out of this world, and I left this event a changed woman. Samantha Mowry is a massage therapist for Nine Worlds Healing in Clarksville, Tennessee, and she also specializes in rune readings, energy healing, cedar energy work, and tarot cards too. She is a woman who does it all, let me just tell you that. And of course, you'll hear more from her in this episode, so don't let me spoil it for you. But like mentioned, meeting Samantha was incredible and having her serve as hell in this ritual and invoke her space and really help us through our grieving process was an experience that I'll never take for granted. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode and hear about Shadowmoot, Raven Moonhearth, and from our lovely guest on this episode, Samantha Mowry. Awesome. Let me make sure it's recording. Okay, it says we're good. So the first question I have for you is like, what is your practice specifically? Share with me a little bit about how you got started. Like, what do you identify as? If you want to share about that, go for it. Sure. Um, so when you say practice, do you mean like my like my personal massage practice or do you mean like my magical workings? Yeah, magical workings specifically, but go into the massage stuff too if you want. Oh, heard. All right. So, um, magical workings, I identify as like an eclectic Norse pagan. Um, my path started in like most of us did, um, in the wicked tradition. And then I realized it was only like 50 years old at the time. And I was like, oh, okay. So, um, wasn't really, you know, what I was looking for. Um, still a lot of valid practices and it's just a lot of the teachings I don't particularly love. Um, found Norse paganism, after learning about uh, the Egyptian gods, Roman, Greek, um, all the different pantheons. And I personally am a practicing Norse pagan now. Um, and I've been practicing for that specific path, I think about seven years now. So, um, but I've been a witch and uh, magical worker, I guess, for over a decade. Wow, that's crazy. So I feel I'm on the same path. So I also identify as an eclectic witch and also Norse pagan, which I have my boyfriend to thank for that. But it was crazy getting on this journey because there's like, you're right. There's so many different learnings and ways out there. So many different gods and pantheons. It's like, what's best for me? So like, what do you think called to you the most? Like what drew you in or like, did you have a God or goddess reach out to you or, you know, that kind of thing. That work. So um, when I first started like really actually practicing and not just learning and because I think a lot of us, when we first learn about magic, we're like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not actually going to do anything. I'm just going to learn a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and light this candle on occasion. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I actually sat down and did like my first real spell, I guess, I asked for um, anybody, basically any deity that wanted to work with me was what I said. I was like, I'm really open and receptive. Like I'm right here, you know, <laughs> what can I do for you? Like who wants to work with me? Um, and I was really drawn to Freya and Isis and, um, 
there was this really strong like Valkyrie energy and I didn't know the name for it at the time, but now I know what it is. Um, and uh, it was interesting. Um, when I first started working with all these different deities and pantheons, they were, it, like I said, it was a broad spectrum. Um, it was either four or five years ago, I went to Shadow Moon with Raven Moon Hearth. Um, and I participated in Hell Bloat. And um, I was just like, literally just someone that attended. There were literally 10 people plus like three people, plus like 10 people that were of the hearth and of the coven that like joined the hearth to make Shadow Moot. And then like three of us and that was it. So there was like less than 15 people there because it was freezing. <laughs> and um, I participated in this hell bloat. And when I did that, uh, I said I had had a miscarriage like a few years before that. And it was the first time I'd said my daughter's name out loud in a group of people ever. Um, and I felt really, really connected to that experience. And then that night around the fire, I just felt really, really enticed by her. And I just wanted to know more about her and I needed to like dive into it. And of course, when you're learning um hell is of course a deity who's a little um terrifying to work with when you don't understand who she is and what she's about and all of that stuff so um that was where my path started um and she's definitely i would consider her my patron if i had one uh she's just someone i've worked with really closely in many ages and stages over the last five years yeah no and i'm sorry to hear about your daughter too like i know we don't know each other too much but when i saw that i was like my heart went out to you because loss is hard for everyone no matter who it is so it's one thing we as humans can all understand about each other is like we've all lost someone so absolutely well thank you yeah uh but um can you go a little bit deeper on hell then about like I know you said like it's hard for people to understand her and she seems a little bit intimidating but like can you go a little bit deeper there Absolutely. So most people, when they think of the Norse gods, they think of Marvel, which is totally fine because it's a nice little put in for us. Right. Yeah. Um, I know some people are like totally pissed at it and don't get it twisted. When I first watched the movies, I was like, how dare you put horns on her fucking head? Like right. who are you? Like what is that? Right. How dare you? Um, and uh, I think the big thing with hell is she's in Norse mythology, not the Marvel universe. Right. Um, She's the ruler over Helheim. She's the ruler over one of the nine worlds. Um, this is where all of our sick, young, um, the ones that don't die of victory and, you know, war and battle, the ones that are normal folk like most of us, <laughs> this is where we would end up. Um, and she's ruler over that because Odin gave it to her because he said, um, one of Loki's kids is going to bring about my demise let me give her something to rule over. And so she owned it and took over it. Um, looking at myths around Ragnarok and whatnot, she's someone who brings up her own army based on everyone that's there and brings all of them up and participates in Ragnarok in her own way. Um, I think for me, a lot of people, when you read about her, it talks about her being half dark, half light. So a lot of people interpret that as like, she's half beautiful lady and half skeleton. Um, now when, when you look at that, it's not bad or scary in my opinion, it's just more that I see her as like one foot 
in the living and one foot with the dead, right? How can you, you can be a goddess and rule over all of these dead things, right? All of these things that are no longer existing in the earthly physical world. Um, but when working with her, <laughs> a lot of people get intimidated because she's kind of scary looking in, in a lot of people's eyes. Um, I've always seen her as like someone that has like maybe a skin condition, not necessarily literally, because it doesn't at any point say that she's half death, half life. It says she's half black, half white. And so half dark, half light. So I've always seen her as someone who just sticks to the shadows. And so you just only see pieces of her when she decides to let you see her. Um, and I also know that when I've worked with her and I've worked with her for quite a long time now, um, she doesn't speak, you know, you don't really hear her voice. It's a feeling. It's a, um, it's, it's not, I don't want to say calling you on your shit, but at the same, I mean, it kind of is like when she walks into the room, it's your pity party's over. Can you be done now? <laughs> you know, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like better than this, like that friend, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I gave you your 15 minutes. Can we like do something about it now instead of just wallowing and staying? Um, and I also working with her, um, allowed me to understand grief in a way that I don't know that very many people have the opportunity to. And I think grief is, a really natural and fluid part of life because we lose stuff all the time. Um, and the whole idea that time heals wounds is bullshit. Like, it's just not true. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, cause when you lose a job, you lose a marriage, you lose a child, you lose the matriarch of the family, you lose that random friend who you didn't really talk to in the hallway, but you have regrets about not talking to him as much as you want to. And for some reason it impacts you in this crazy way, you know, like, there's a reason like when those things die, a piece of you dies and you don't, because you're still living, you lose them over so many periods of time. And when working with the deity hell, I've had the opportunity to see a lot, just how much life is in the grieving process. And it's just shaped me in a really different way wow. for sure. Yeah, no, I, I really stand by the phrase, like time doesn't heal wounds, healing heals wounds and healing looks different yes. for everyone. So yeah, that resonates hard. Um, to kind of switch gears a little bit, though, um, for me, like this was my very first shadow moot. I had no idea what it was when I saw the Facebook group. I was just like, oh, my gosh, like a pagan group in Nashville. Like we had been searching for a group for so long. So um, for some of the viewers who are new to this, like, can you explain what shadow moot is? Um, and you can also get them um, and explain what Raven Moon Hearth is and like how you got started in that, too, which you kind of mentioned absolutely. already. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, shadow moot, the event was a uh, there was a coven and our hearth, Raven Moon Hearth, and they came together to create this community event where heathens and witches came together and they partied, not just partied, but they taught, they learned from each other, they grew, they uh, interarched, they shared practices and they worked together to create Hellbloat. Um, they worked together to um, talk about so many different things. Um, this is... I don't remember what year Shadow Moot we, this is, but I do know that next month is uh, Raven Moonhearth's eight-year anniversary. Um, Congrats. We, yeah, thanks. We're excited. Um, so we currently don't have, like, 
we don't have any of the founding members left in the hearth. Um, some of them have passed, some of them have just moved on. Um, but the founding members, the end, we obviously still live by what our founding members' principles and beliefs are, which have to do with um, community-driven, very community-driven. Um, we respect the old Norse gods. Um, we are inclusive and we just, we just want to grow, period. Um, we just want to be around like-minded people who understand that there is no one right way. Uh, we have a lot of, lot of, um, we'll go with heated conversations around the myths and um, different climates that go on, obviously, especially in today's world. Um, but Shadow Moot was made to bridge that gap and it was made to honor um, the month of October being the witch's new year and also this really beautiful deity who just pairs wonderfully with that. Um, honoring our dead as the fall season comes to a close um, just makes perfect sense. Uh, and as far as the hearth itself goes, um, I have, let's see, I met um, a couple of the members of Raven Moon Hearth back in 2014, no, 2016 was my first puff, which is Pagan Unity Festival. It's every year in May in Burns, Tennessee. I think they moved it to like another part of Tennessee, but still in the central area. Um, and I met them because they taught a class on heathenism and how to create a kindred or a hearth and how to create that community. And that was what they wanted to teach. And I showed up and I had a Rick's Comic City t-shirt on and they're like, hey, is that in Nashville? I was like, no, it's actually in Clarksville. And they're like, oh, dude, we're like right down the road from you. So um, got invited to a couple events, took some uh, time to to like muster up the, the nerve to show up to them because of course I'm by myself and <laughs> uh, it was a little nerve wracking. Um, and I'm really glad I did, of course. I mean, uh, now um, I've been an Oath member for over a year. Um, actually, I got Oathed in last Shadow Moot, not this one, but the one before. And then um, I became Vulva of our hearth um, back in December. I took that oath. I've been a part of Raven Moon Hearth and like a, uh, what do we call it? Prospect or novitiate, initiate, whatever you want to call it, um, for about two years um, before that. And so I've been around the hearth for a little bit. Um, the vulva of the hearth is the witch. I'm the witch of the hearth. I'm the one that makes sure all of our rituals and actual magical workings happen. <laughs> um, and I work very closely with our Gothi, who is our male counterpart spiritual advisor. He helps with ritual and the structure around that. And he helps with the overall spirituality of everyone in the hearth. Um, it's always, I mean, he, Norse pagans, obviously it's a spiritual path. So it's really important to have multiple people that you can go talk to because some people are going to want my views and opinions. Some people are going to relate more closely with Jared's. Um, and that's perfectly okay. The point is that we have multiple people that can answer questions and openly have these conversations in public or private. Um, our goal is, of course, to eventually make it to where everyone's comfortable talking publicly about their stuff because that's how you learn and grow. Um, Agree. But having that intimate comfortability is, of course, important. So. Yeah. No, thank you. That I was had a few questions that went into that, but you covered them all. So that was perfect. <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> awesome. No, this is going really well so far. Thank you. Um, but the next question I have then is more so about Hellblood and the ritual. So like, 
how much prep did that go in? Like how much went into it? Um, what yeah, so yeah. Um, this is the first Hellbloat of its kind in that um, Hellbloat has typically been, um, because not all of the Elder Council positions have been filled. So the Elder Council consists of um, the Thule, which we currently have. He's the one that ensures that everyone holds to their oaths. And he's the one that has people play shield should they owe any shield for breaking an oath. We have our chieftain, who's our leader. Gothi is a male spiritual advisor um, and the spiritual leader, the vulva, which is the magical worker, web weaver. We have the uh, scribe who actually writes everything out to make sure that our lessons are being taught and moving forward. I mean, eight years of work, thank the gods that we had somebody that wrote it all down <laughs> um and then uh i think that's everything there might be one more right now though this is the first year that we've had both a gothi and a vulva in a long time if at all <laughs> um so the chieftain primarily put together our old chieftain typically um we used a, a specific format this year um jared and i have been working for over two months every week um, doing phone calls uh, about an hour every week. I think we missed one week um, and spent a significant amount of time with getting us on the same page because this is our first ritual together for the hearth, especially for a public event. Um, there's definitely different aspects when you're doing a public event than when you're doing a private one. Um, time, uh, being very realistic and people stand for that long. What are we going to do? Like, how are we going to get down there? Like logistics are very different whenever you're doing a big ritual like that. Um, we also anticipated like 30 people being there and you were there. There was definitely more than 30 people there. Um, <laughs> like ain't mad about it. Just saying. So, uh, but when we put together that ritual, um, the number one thing was making sure that he and I were on the same page on what we wanted that outcome to be. Um, we wanted everyone to feel grief and however they needed to feel it because there's so many different facets to that diamond. And we wanted everyone, my like number one thing that I wanted going into it was I wanted to make sure that everyone had a space after ritual was over to sit and be there. And if they did not want to join the land of the living, they did not have to. Um, that was my number one thing. Um, Jared wanted to make sure that everyone had a fantastic time, that it would be unforgettable and that they had the exact messages that they needed to hear. Um, and I think we did that. <laughs> um, more so than that, there's just so many details that go into that. Um, starting Wednesday, it took forever for us to get like, we got the land put together and then come Friday, we finally got the ritual space like set up and put together. I mean, it was definitely a team effort. Michelle, who's one of our prospects, helped make sure the ritual area was nice and perfect for us. Um, everyone had a hand in it though, everyone. Um, the difference in this year and previous years is honestly, there were two people working on a ritual to make a common goal instead of one person having to do everything. And it definitely changes the outcome. Um, not that any of them were bad because they were obviously, they changed my whole damn life, but it's still like, you know, it's just different when you have more people, you have more opportunities. And we were really excited to provide that this year for our hearth and for the kindred that showed up. Yeah. And I can say too, just from being someone who attended, like I'm a solitary practitioner and that was my very first public ritual as well as group rituals. So 
I had no clue really what I was getting into other than from what I've read and from what I've heard from other people in the community. And it was spot on. Like from the moment we, like, we started walking down, like I felt it. The energy was there. Like I was at the end of the line too. So I feel like I didn't, I didn't feel like I was standing for that long, if that made sense, but just being able to honor everyone's time and everyone's grief and like watch everyone take their time was just like a community thing. Like we're in it together. Like we're all at different places in our grief too. And I can say as well, like with you being the vulva and like the healer of it, like your energy, I could feel it too. Like when you, when I like stooped down below you and then when I stayed in for a little while with Thomas, like there is some weird vibe I've never felt before, but it was calming because I'm dealing with the grief of my grandma who passed away last March. And it's my very first big loss. Like she was my best friend. And it was just like, I didn't cry because I was like, I'm in public. Oh shit. Like I'll cry in the car. But I was just like inside. I was, I was crying really, really hard. So yeah, it was, it was a whole, whole feeling, whole vibe. And I think you guys did incredibly well. And I was really grateful to be there. Thank you very much. And I'm very sorry for your loss. The first one's always the hardest, I'm telling you. Yeah, that's what everyone says, you know, but she's still here. Like I I have her middle name. She, like I said, she was my best friend. She was the mom in a way. Like my mom was a great mom. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But she, she raised me where my parents didn't. So yeah, mm-hmm. I know she was there. She was yeah. there. <laughs> that's awesome. Even though I forgot my letter in my pocket and then had to give it to you later. <laughs> I'm telling you everything for a reason in a season always 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 if that didn't make it into the ritual circle there's a reason if this didn't make it to the ritual circle there's a reason so that's cool (laughs) and I think one of the cool things about it too which you can share your thoughts on this too is like after we all returned back to the land of the living like at the bonfire together like I burned some flowers with a couple other attendees I burned an apple all my other offerings I brought with but that community too was what really helped like we all I met more people in that little fire pit like it was I think the highlight of the night too was being able to to hug people despite COVID so yeah yeah and that was so one thing that Jared is really fantastic about and what I feel like he brought most to this ritual is he fully grasped the concept of duality and black and white and I live so very much in the gray and that there I I don't do the black and white shit right I just don't I don't subscribe to it I think everything's gray it's just different colors of gray but he has a solid understanding in black and white again that's why we that's why this works so well um that he, when I told him, he's like, how do you want people to feel here when they're in your space? And I was like, when they're in Helheim, they, they need to feel it and I'm going to invoke it and it's going to happen. So I don't know what we need to do over here to make it a safe space to come out of it. Because one thing that we didn't want was for everyone to be (laughs) heavy in their grief, sad, depressed, and then go drink made by open fucking fire. So like, (laughs) Uh, that did not want to do that. So, and then, you know, everybody ended up getting so toasted that they lose the site. Um, we wanted to create an experience to where people would go from this heavy to this light and it'd be a fluid transition and for them to lean together, like to want to cuddle puddle, to want to get together, to want to understand the importance of that community piece when you're going through grief. Um, I have connected with complete strangers through my grieving process because of rituals like this. Um, And we 
wanted that. <coughs> like, as I cough, despite COVID, <laughs> um, you know, like this year we, <laughs> pagans as a whole are just starving for community. Agree. Um, we're not, we're not typically the, we're the listen to podcast on the way to work so that we can reconnect with who we actually are, not who we have to be over in this very logistic day-to-day stuff. And, um, Facebook has driven many people into different, to turn into very different people. And social media as a whole is just, and I mean, I get sucked into it too. Don't get twisted. I know my faults. Um, but we wanted to create an event and an experience that reminded everybody why we are pagan and why we are magical workers and why we have to come together as a community and a kindred and a hearth, pick a word, family, to get out of this grief that we've all been forced to experience through 2020. I don't know anybody that hasn't lost. I'm lucky. I'm one of the lucky few. Like I've had some really great things happen because I fully grasp the concept of shedding. I don't lose things in my opinion, uh, that will come back eventually. (laughs) They're just going to come back in a way that I need them. And so like, it's just different. Um, a lot of people lost jobs, their homes, work, stability, uh, the idea that I have that I'm valuable at my job is fractured because so many people are just going left and right. I mean, like it's just shifted so many mentalities for us that we, it's really important to know that you don't always grieve a human being. And we wanted to make sure that we ended shadow moot on a community focused point. Um, take your time to hail your ancestors. All of us have that moment of silence when we hail it back to you. Um, give us an opportunity to talk about them in a way that is, I just fucking miss them and boohoo and weeping and all of that stuff. Like that's what Helheim was for. Like now it's time to talk about them. Like they're a very living entity and not just in the past sense, but in the future sense, what are we doing for the generation after this? What are we doing for the future of our world, our physical world, our globe, our, um, our young, our people that are coming up, like what traditions are we keeping? Which ones do really need to die? You know, like really, um, all of that, um, all of that's part of, all of that is part of the grieving process. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I feel like, again, like we, we don't think of it. We always think of it as like, I lost a person, but I can say too, from being in that ritual, like I was also losing an old version of myself, like the version of myself that doesn't serve me and a, a past relationships. Like I kind of took that moment to let all that negative shit go because I'm like, I'm on a path to being my best self. And I can't do that yes. if I'm stu- like, not saying it's not okay to be stuck in your grief, but at a certain point you need to be able to say, okay, what did we learn from this? Like, I can remember all of these great things. It's great to have memories, but at some point you have to overcome it because it's just, it's part of life. Like, yeah. And I'll say like, so the, my favorite phrasing to use when it comes to grief specifically is because a lot of people say, move through it, move around it, like hold on to it, let it go. Obviously like look at it, like it's a lotion and put it all over you wherever you need to. Cause it's now a fucking part of you. It ain't going nowhere. It's not going to be anywhere. It doesn't need to be dark. It doesn't need to be heavy. There are so many beautiful things that happen with grief. The fact that you have an opportunity that something was so important and valid to you that it changed you when it didn't exist anymore. Like what a beautiful fucking thing. Um, 
agree. Yeah. And it's really easy to say, move through the feeling or move around the feeling or move past the feeling, you know, like, but grief is a really living, breathing thing. I've met her. Right. <laughs> um, so to like, when I, when I talk about grief again, that's what hell has given me. That's what my community and the experience of public ritual in that really weird way <laughs> has given me, you know, and I just, I'm really glad to hear that though. Like, I'm glad to hear that you got the, that too. Like I can let this go. I don't have to keep the heavy. I can shift this and mow this like it's Play-Doh in a way that serves me. And that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. And it was a big stepping stone too. Cause I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong too, but I see grief as like, of course there's the traditional phases of grief that we go through, but sometimes it's like, it comes and goes in waves. Like one, you could go weeks or months or years feeling fine, but then you have an interaction and it hits you again. But I feel like every time it does hit me or that wave of sadness comes along, I react to it better. I'm like, okay. Like I, I take my feelings and I acknowledge them and say like, it's okay to be sad right now, but now you're learning from it. Like, why are you sad? Is it because of this? Like, it's going to be okay. We're going to feel the feeling until we don't feel it. And tomorrow's a new day. So. Absolutely. And like, when it comes to that, when you're looking at like, um, like grief and like acceptance. And like you said, there's all these stages and phases. That's the part that they, like nobody likes to talk about with grief. And that's why, again, the whole time thing, like I just, I don't subscribe to that. I don't like it. But um, cause you don't lose someone or something. You don't lose, you don't lose that once. You lose it repeatedly. And when you feel that grief pop up again, or you feel that loss pop up again, you need to say, what, a what loss am I really grieving now? Cause with my daughter, like when I lost her, um, I didn't talk about her for five years, literally didn't talk about it. And, um, it was a lot. And when I went through shadow moot, I grieved a piece of that loss. And then three years later, when I finally talked to my husband about her for the first time, and we had a conversation and named her and that deep process, I grieved a whole other part of that loss, you know, like it's, there's so many different things that you lose. And and sometimes when we, when it hits us, we need to remember, like, I'm not just grieving the same thing I'm grieving. Maybe I'm grieving a new piece of that loss, like a new, a new aspect of that, that I hadn't thought of before, maybe a future that I didn't realize that I wanted, or, um, I didn't realize that, for example, when my grandmother passed, I was like, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was that she didn't get to meet my kids until we had Christmas. And I lost my mind. Like, <laughs> I was like, why is this such a big deal? Like I've already mourned this loss. It's because it's, I could have never, how could I have anticipated that? How unfair of me to expect that of myself. Right. So when you're going through that, love yourself enough to know that you're not going to, it's not going to like, let's just get it all over with. Like that's literally impossible because you can't predict your future to that extent. (laughs) Um, so like being patient with those new memories as they pop up and being patient with the new grief and the new pieces that come to it. That's, that's what, uh, that's what honestly, and like part of it's because I'm heathen because actions and words have to line up for me or I have a cold disconnect and I turn into a whole different person. Like, uh, I'm not someone anybody wants to be around. Right. Um, but that's like the, with me when it, and not just grief, but everything, if I'm re-feeling something over and over again, 
it's because I'm trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. I'm trying to put an emotion or a title on it that doesn't fit. I need to read, like, I need maybe a new perspective and I need to talk to someone else about it. Maybe a professional, maybe my husband, maybe a friend, maybe a fucking stranger that I met at Shadow Moon. <laughs> like, hmm. you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, you're really putting like a, a lot of deep thought and perspective onto this. And I, I'm, I'm shook right now. <laughs> yeah um, I'm very passionate about grief in a real real way like it's not talked about enough so this this kind of went on a whole other level I wasn't expecting but I'm I'm here for it because it needs to be said like and I hope anyone listening to this takes some stuff away from it because like I said earlier we all experience it at some point or another in different ways so it's important yeah, yeah. um the next question I have kind of stemming from that is, so I, I shared a little bit about how I felt in the ritual, but like, what was it like for you being someone leading the ritual? Like, what are some things that you felt? Yeah. So, oh boy. so to be honest with you, Jared and I agreed. Um, the ritual for us really began on Wednesday when we showed up on the property and we put a significant amount of time into the physical space, into working together, lots of conversations, lots of stupid late night conversations. Um, because no matter how much buildup there is, there's still, they can always go deeper, can always go deeper. And um, working with our kindred, working with uh, Kyle and Tress, who Tress was Garmer, working with these people, the four of us and our chieftain to make sure that everything was fluid adjacent. <laughs> um, because, you know, like you want to have like a bullet point, these are the important stuff, but if you have to go on this tangent, do it. True story. Um, me walking the circle uh, during ritual wasn't planned. Um, it just happened. <laughs> um, but it was necessary and fluid and, and it needed to happen. Um, but being on that side of things, I have facilitated many rituals. Um, I have been hell. I have done accepting offerings and given. I have done that in different roles. Um, this was the first time uh, I felt it quite like that. Not going to lie. Um, every time I walked into that ritual space, it was mine. This is my Helheim. Like this is mine period. Like there was no, there was no doubt about it. Um, and really and truly the most important thing when you're, when you facilitate something like that is being patient, not just rushing it along. And Every time that someone walked up to me, I couldn't tell you what any of them said. Honestly, forgot that you even forgot your letter. Don't remember that in any shape, form, or fashion. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a couple of people that came up to me afterwards who were like, your, your words were so moving. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't scripted. I listened to what, I listened to what the hell on my shoulder told me to say. And I said it, <laughs> period. And there were some people that needed hugs and there were some people that needed that moment after. And um, I think a lot of people, when they do group rituals, especially when I first started doing them, I was so focused on, did I say the right words? Did I say the right thing? Did I move the cup from my right hand to my left hand in the exact second I was supposed to, instead of letting it happen? And um, honestly, Jared had a huge hand in making sure that that piece of the ritual was intact. Um, the fluidity of it and going with the bumps and going with whatever happens next. Um, I knew when Jared spoke that I was going to hit a point where I was going to have to say something and I just felt it 
and I just started, the next thing I knew I was walking and I'm like, we're doing this. <laughs> and it just felt really fluid. And once we got back, I remember this is also the first year that we've had, he was like the, the God role. And I was the goddess role in that because hell doesn't really have like a male counterpart. Right. Okay. Um, but as far as being an active member of Raven Moon Hearth and being the roles that we have, it was really beautiful to have those more masculine pieces to it. And I think that's what helped allow everything to be grounded once we got back to the land of the living. Um, there was a significant amount um, of pressure on us, I feel, not in a bad way, but in a Jared and I put it on ourselves. Nobody else did. Yeah. And it was a good thing. It was just like, when it comes to facilitating the rituals again, it's like making sure, making sure you don't get bogged down with too many of the details. Um, making sure that you remember that it's a very human experience. And so there's going to be flaws. I, my grandmother taught me to put an intentional mistake in everything that we do. Um, especially as she was a crafter and that's what she did. So anytime she did counter stitch or cross stitch or counting stitch, cross stitch stuff, um, she would always put an intentional mistake and that way everything had something to funnel into. And, uh, I think it's important to remember that with our magical workings too. Um, yeah, but being the facilitator of that one, it was a complete and total honor because I, our current chief 10 has done so much work <laughs> over the years building this really beautiful layout. And that's where we kind of started and then just took the fuck off after that. Um, but if he, he hadn't laid that groundwork, I don't, I don't know where it would be. Um, I mean, I, we would have probably gotten there eventually, but it certainly helped a lot to have it. And I think my favorite part of ritual personally was like I said watching what I really wanted to happen which was to hold space for anyone that did not wasn't ready to be able to provide that I I don't even have words like I connected with my gods in a way that I never imagined I remember the faces of every person that stayed back I don't remember everyone's name. I remember at that moment during ritual when I was accepting offerings and I was providing um, the runes to everybody, I listened then. This was listening in a way I hadn't before. And being able to provide words of comfort that wasn't the false, uh, you're going to make it through this. Other people have experienced this. It's going to be okay. <laughs> um, all of all of the things that people intend and have beautiful intentions of it being helpful and healing and all it does is like, <laughs> just makes you want to hurt people, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, to be able to provide that for everyone and to be able to honestly hold space for them meant the fucking world to me. Like I wanted that so bad and to be gifted the opportunity to do that was everything. And to watch people take advantage of that and to be honest with where they were at, like how much vulnerability is that to say, I'm not ready. Like, oh. damn, like that is so heavy. And 
facilitating that piece, I, I'll never forget it ever. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think, I don't think my gods, I don't think my dead, I don't think anybody wants me to forget that feeling ever. And I, it'll never happen. Like I, the other part of facilitating this year that's different than other years is Jared and I had zero intent on really accepting anything. I was, I mean, you saw me, I was hell. That's who I was. I was not, I was not, I was no longer a member of Raven Moon Hearth. Like I was there to facilitate and create an experience for everyone around me. So I had the privilege of having a different experience than everyone around me. Right. And instead of looking at it as I lost something because I didn't get to, you know, take a cork home, <laughs> uh, you know, because, uh, that, but that's true. Like when you get in that community piece, you're like, well, what about me? What about my healing? What about what's going on with me? And to be able to host it from that mentality of like, I am being gifted something completely different than I really expected to even have. Um, it's just not something I'll ever forget yeah. ever. And I'm really glad that every single person was in the circle that was in the circle. There's a reason for it. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, like I'm grateful too. Like it was a life-changing moment for sure. And just like we we trampled upon some random strangers we've never met before. And I left feeling like <laughs> that tie, like it's in my blood. Like these people understand me. Like we are part of the same people. Like that's it was mind blowing. So yeah. yeah. I'm really glad. Thank you. Yeah. A few, I guess the last question I have for you is like when did you, I don't even know how to phrase this question. Wow. But like, in my mind, I don't think every witch is meant to be a vulva, but I do think that certain witches have those moments that lead them into becoming a vulva. So like, I guess like any advice you have for like witches who are unsure or like feel some type of way or power blooming, like what, like what kind of sealed the deal for you? Like I'm ready to not just work on myself and do the inner work, but help other people. So, um, and I think like you hit the nail on the head there, there's a huge difference in, um, a witch and I have my private practice and trust me, I do. Um, but when you become a vulva, you're healing other people. Um, and that's a lot of responsibility. Like you have your own and yeah, many other, yeah. <laughs> um, I've, there are certain phrases in the community that I jokingly call the woo woo stuff and I don't like using them, but I'm going to use some of them. Okay, go for it. <laughs> I honestly feel that, um, I have been a leader in everything that I've done for most of my life. Um, it wasn't until, it wasn't until like I went through, um, a really major breaking point in my life. And then I came out the other side of that, that I was like, no, I want to do this for other people, period. Um, I've been a massage therapist, energy worker, rune reader for as long as I can remember, really. Um, massage therapist I've been for almost six years now. Um, I've been a practicing witch for 15. I've been a, I've been a leader in literally everything I touch. I'm not capable of just showing up and going home. And literally anybody that knows me that's listening is laughing right now. Um, but I'm telling you, like for me to be a vulva, it's not that it chooses you. There comes a moment where you just, you know, what you bring to the fucking table. 
and you know that there are other people that need to eat that. Um, if I had not experienced what I had with grief and all of that stuff, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have at any point thought of becoming a vulva. I think I would have considered it like that's way up there. I'm way down here. Absolutely not. Um, but having that experience and going through that trauma, honestly, um, and then coming out the other side and seeing how it took a team of people to help put me back together, help give me the tools to put me back together. Right. Um, I shifted my mentality from, oh, that's an elder council position to that's someone who knows they can provide for the community. And I know I can do that. I'm not perfect. And some things that are super important to know as someone who is a healer, a public healer, a vulva, a Reiki master, an energy worker, a tarot reader, you should always be learning. I don't care what certificate you have. Um, you should be the loudest student in the room. Um, you should always be reading. And if you're not reading, listening to podcasts or everyone learns in their own ways, you should, you don't have to be practicing all the time because there's very real life shit that happens. And sometimes literally just sitting in your car for 10 seconds and taking some deep breaths, that's your magic. And that's okay. Um, moving the mentality from I have to do this and at the full moon peaks at 12:15 so I have to make sure at 12:15 I'm at this exact spot and if I'm not at this exact spot everything's shit like letting that kind of stuff go you know right um like it's going to be okay it's the promise <laughs> it's still going to work if you right. forgot your water guess what it's going to be fine <laughs> um but when you go from this is no longer about my practice this is about facilitating healing for someone else and if you can't disconnect, don't do it. If you can't say, listen to someone's pain and then try and make it about you, you don't need to do it. If you can't listen to someone's story and say, I have a story that matches that, or let me connect with you. And the only way you know to connect with someone is to share your truth and your pain. Like you probably, it's probably not, not the right time for you. Right. Um, you got some more work to do. You yes. Keep yeah. <laughs> and um, last, the communication piece. If you can't learn to speak to people in a way that they want to hear you, or you can't change the way that you speak to people so that they can understand you, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Right. Um, it's really easy to say, like, I can't even tell you how many years it took me to get to a point where I could talk about grief. That wasn't like, and then, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> get on my level. Um, <laughs> uh, it took a long time. It took a lot of experiences. It took a lot of giving bad advice and messing up and everything else. And if you're someone who thinks that I either do it right or I do it wrong again, it's probably not for you. It's you do it right or you learn and then you do something different and you either do it right or you learn. Um, as a public person, as, a, as someone who, as vulva of Raven Moon Hearth, it is imperative that when I speak, I know that I'm not speaking for me. I'm speaking to literally all the other members of my hearth. I'm speaking for them, of them. Um, it's really hard to be of the community and not literally inside of it and all the ish. And I don't know how we've managed to do it, but we're doing it and I'm not going to jinx it. I'm just going to knock on this wood over here. Same. I, got um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, if you feel that 
the Norse path calls to you, if you feel that magic calls to you, if you feel that you could be a web weaver, go for it. Like you're not hurting anybody by just saying, I want to do this. Like you're just not. The only thing that you're hurting is the opportunity for people to learn from you and grow from you. So how don't take that from people. Right. I love that. This has been awesome. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, is there anything else you want to speak to or anything else you would like? To um, so I do want to say Raven Moon Hearth, um, we are celebrating our eight years next month. We're really excited. Um, please be looking forward to our calendar. We do a monthly meetup every month for the public. Sometimes it's bowling. Sometimes it's just going to um, like meeting somewhere at the mall. Uh, sometimes it's a park walk. We do events in Clarksville, Nashville, Murfreesboro. Um, we do have our two big public overnight events that we do every year, which is Ostara and Shadow Moot. Um, our next ritual is going to be lots and lots of color, lots of life, um, more fertility based, of course, uh, just to balance everything. We're really excited about it, already working on it. Um, but the big thing is, this is not just for Norse pagans. This is for anyone who's just Norse pagan curious, literally. It's for anyone. I don't care who you are, what path you're on. If you want a community, as long as you come with an open mind and you are an inclusive person, we're here for you. So um, that's my, that's really like our number one thing is we just want to make sure that just because you're not you don't know all of the myths. None of us do just because you don't know all of the gods or your only experience is the Marvel movies. If you're interested, we want you there. Right. So you can learn and, and learn from the right. Well, I wouldn't say right folks, but like learn authentically and from people who've been there. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat where I'm like, I'm not like a baby witch anymore, but I don't know everything. And I'm just, I'm a learn by doer. So I can't learn through books alone. Like I got to go out and speak to people and meet people and be part of that community again. So, mm -hmm. and it's time, like it's time, it's time. Yeah. It's so time. so time. Like it's been time for us to come out of the broom closets and sweep all the dust away. Let's do our spring cleaning and let's be around people again. Right. <laughs> be safe and smart. So needed too. Like I, I mean, I work from home. I've been working from home since March. I go to the grocery store once a week and I see my boyfriend, like, and everyone else, my family, I, I mean, I went and visited them a few weeks ago, but everyone else is on a screen. And it, that interaction again, like that human moment with people was so necessary and like, of course I had my fears going into it. Like, oh shit, like what if I get COVID? But it's like, yeah. we get COVID, we figure it out. We'll cross that road when we get to it. But I can't deny myself community or human interaction for the rest of this year. Otherwise I'm going to fall apart. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And especially with the holidays coming up, which is such a beautiful, intimate experience for each of us in our own ways. So, yeah. 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 Um, well, um, last thing is how can folks or like, what are the handles? How can folks get in touch with you or in Raven Moon Hearth? Like what are, how can we reach out? So the Facebook page, we have a Facebook page called Friends of Raven Moon Hearth. That is the best place to go for events or any information. You're welcome to private message the page. There's a few of us that respond depending on like where you're from and where you want to come from. Um, that is the best place to go. Um, and as far as me personally, I'm from Clarksville. I live here in Clarksville, Tennessee. Um, I'm Samantha Mowry. I own Nine Worlds Healing, which is a massage therapy and cedar energy work healing practice here in Tennessee. Um, I'm always doing stuff, events, 
Um, I teach a Norse pagan class once a month and I teach a rune study also once a month. So the second Saturday of every month, I teach an hour and a half Norse pagan class. Just depend, honestly, the, the class just depends on whatever, whoever talks to me, whatever talks to me, that's what we're talking about. Um, and then the rune study, we, it's a, it's suggested to be a year long, but it's, we go over two runes really in depth every week or every month. Um, last Wednesday of every month, you can do it over online or in person, either one. So um, now that hopefully COVID's coming to an end, um, the in-person class will be more pushed, um, but I've got lots of options. But the reason I host those is because it's ridiculous that it's not something that's common. And I think everybody should learn and can learn. And there's too many platforms and too many resources to have the excuse of, I don't have time. So um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. But thank you very much for having me and for giving me an opportunity to talk about Raven Moonhearth and Hellbloat and Shadowmoot and all of my amazing kinsmen and kinswomen now that we've got another girl and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. It was a pleasure having you. Um, this has been a really educational moment. And anytime you want to hop on the podcast, let a girl know. We'd love to have you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to do this again for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, smash that subscribe button and please be sure to rate and review on iTunes to help further educate and elevate our fellow witches. If you need a little extra magic in your life, I invite you to connect with me on Instagram at wellandwitchy and check out my website, wellandwitchy.com. Remember, witches, you are limitless. You are powerful and you create your reality by your divine design. Now go out there and make some magic happen. And until next time, be well, be witchy.